This is episode 305 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, If you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery, then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about bump to birth and to enroll today. Hey friends, welcome back to Two Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today's episode, we're going to be focusing on diastasis or diastasis recti, as you may know it, specifically in pregnancy. We find this topic comes up a lot. It's also kind of how we talk about it, or in general, what you might hear about it has changed over the years. So it's always good to have some updated episodes. And especially, like I said, in pregnancy, I do find typically what I see online is diastasis talked about, but postpartum and so many in pregnancy are like, but what about like the stage of life I'm in right now? So we thought this would be perfect time to do an episode specifically about this. And like I said, diastasis, that, that dialogue or just that idea around it has changed over the years. Previously, even when Jess and I first started this years ago, it was more about being very conservative with exercise, you know, you don't want to see any doming happening, happening in the abdomen. There was a lot of kind of fear around it. And I do find that 
I still see that online, still this kind of fear around it. So we want to kind of bust some myths today with it. Um, and one of those being in pregnancy, we do know from research in the third trimester, pretty much everyone is going to have a degree of kind of that traditional definition of diastasis. And that's where the linea alba or the the midline between the abdomen, that connective tissue there, um, if there's a space, so there's not a hole, which is a good thing to go through too. Some people think of diastasis like a hernia, that there's actually kind of um, something protruding out through the abdomen and it's not. It's just referring to the tissue between our kind of six pack muscles has stretched. And so that traditional definition is kind of around two fingers or more is considered a diastasis. But I like how now we talk about it in pregnancy of like third trimester, most will have this kind of traditional definition. It makes sense. Like our abdomen has to accommodate the, your growing baby, growing uterus, our abdominal wall is going to stretch as well. So this isn't like pathological. This isn't an injury. This is like a very normal, pretty much expected kind of part of pregnancy. And then if you're in a subsequent pregnancy, oftentimes this can happen even sooner, that that's also can be considered normal. What do you find, Jet? Like, are you seeing the same thing that I am online? I, yes, I definitely am. The thing I'm still seeing, which absolutely blows my mind whenever I do see it, are ads, Facebook and Instagram ads with these messages of marketing fitness programs pregnancy fitness programs that are telling people how to prevent or avoid diastasis recti in pregnancy. And that drives me bananas because that language is fear mongery in itself. And it's also mm -hmm. just simply untrue. So I can see where people get scared about this stuff when this is what they're being fed, especially at that time point in their life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of those things where there's different ways to assess too. I definitely, um, have clients both in pregnancy and postpartum coming in and be like, someone told me I have diastasis. And so we, we start right away with going over kind of what we just talked about. Actually, it's very normal part of pregnancy. Um, and there's so many aspects, including genetics, right. In terms of like, to the extent that the diastasis may be happening as well. And so depending where someone is in pregnancy, we can look at it, you know, if you're, if you're further along, you're sitting up, you kind of lean back. We do look at that doming, but you can also feel as a professional, we can like feel that, that connective tissue to see what's actually going on there. And I find too, the further someone is in pregnancy, also the baby is taking up some space. So there's that component as well when it comes to diastasis. So it's one of those things, it's more of that we take note of it in pregnancy and then we can reassess postpartum. We can do, we should probably do an updated one on that one too, Jesse, about postpartum diastasis. I know we've done some in, uh, in the past few years, but um, looking at it again, postpartum, but yeah, pregnancy, I would say if anything, it's more of like an observation of what's going on. Um, and that can also help us modify exercise in pregnancy 
just so again, we're not adding excessive stress to the area, but again, if you do see some doming, you haven't injured the area. We just don't necessarily want to repeatedly do it multiple, multiple, multiple times um, as the tissue is stretching as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really important note on assessing diastasis in pregnancy is that for some people, it can be nice to know, have a baseline. I like that on myself through my pregnancies. But if you feel like that is causing you more stress and more worry, just do not do it. You do not need to have any idea about it during pregnancy. You can tell your health practitioner or physio or trainer that you do not want to know that information. Maybe they want to take note of it for their reports, but you do not need to know if that is just going to cause you to spiral out about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And like with kind of that idea of exercise, right? That a lot of people, or a lot of clients I see, they're, they, when they see me in pregnancy, they're like, I just stopped all core. And usually when people say core, they're talking about traditional crunches, sit-ups, any type of plank, bird dog, dead bug, any of those, because they're like, I don't actually know what I should and should not do. So I want to go through it one-on-one with someone who, who professional who deals with this, right? Because I do find with modifying, like as pregnancy goes on, and it's going to depend too on the person, like how their body is changing, how their abdomen is changing. Um, Things like sit-ups and crunches, I just find, A, they're like super awkward as, as you grow. And they don't really feel like you're doing the same type of exercises when you're not pregnant, because you have, again, this this uterus, this baby that's growing. So like things are stretching. It just doesn't really feel effective and potentially putting again, repeated excessive pressure that we don't really need to be doing. There's other ways to actually create a nice supportive abdomen. I do find with planks, I typically do keep them in for my clients. However, in pregnancy, I start to elevate them the same with pushups. It's like by the end of the third trimester, I just don't find, even if someone's like, but I have a super, super strong core. I find most people can't, you know, oppose that pressure that's, that, um, is pushing out in a floor plank or a floor pushup too. Plus with a pushup, as you get lower, there's this baby hanging out there. Um, so I find elevating and a lot of clients are like, this actually feels really good. Like, I feel like I'm engaging my core. I've got my breath. I've got my pelvic floor, the whole core canister going, I feel this, this still feels very effective, challenging, but effective. Right. Um, and same with like side plank, we can play around with modifications there, um, and doing that core canister breath with it. So there are ways, and again, we can bring that core canister breath into squats. Like we can bring it into like any exercise. So technically, if you want to think of core exercises, it technically could be any of them. But the flip side to it is that is not talked about that Jess and I are big fans of is mobility work or actually learning to relax your abdomen. And you might be like, but isn't my body super relaxed? Like, don't I want to not do that? But what I find typically is most are holding and gripping their abdomen a lot. Like when we start talking about it and someone then kind of thinks about their day, they're like, actually, I'm kind of sucking in all day, even in pregnancy because they feel like they need to hold in their core. And then things sometimes come up, whether it's round ligament area type pain, pelvic girdle pain. And a lot of that has to do with there's tension or that we're holding tension. So 
just as much as it can be helpful to learn to activate, engage the core, um, it's just as important to be able to relax those muscles. I think this is such a good point to bring up because I have had so many clients who have been fearful of allowing their belly to really relax and Mm -hmm. breathe and to take up space because they are worried about making their diastasis worse. Mm -hmm. So they are sucking in gripping, tightening, because they think that that will prevent the diastasis from, you know, quote unquote, worsening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's that balance. It's like anything Justin and I talk about, it's like, there's always a balance between strength and mobility or relaxation. Um, So if you're wondering like, what would be some examples, like cat cow is a great one, allowing the abdomen to relax. I'm a big fan of using that birth ball as early as you hear about a birth ball in terms of in pregnancy. So even kneeling, leaning over, like leaning your upper body on the ball, your belly is off the ball. It can totally relax. It feels amazing for your low back, for your pelvis. But again, it allows your abdomen to have some of that relaxation. So that was something we wanted to talk about is making sure it's not just about strength or engagement kind of support. Also, that relaxation is actually going to help with symptoms as well, but also just in general in preparation for birth and for postpartum. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher.